Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you this morning. Please turn your Bibles to the New Testament in 1 John is where we're going to be at today. 1 John chapter 1. If you don't know where that's at, go to the very back of your Bible and then start going to the left and you're going to find it there first. It'll say 2 John, 3 John. We'll be in chapter 1. The sermon notes today are at novachurch.org or on your Nova Community Church app. It'll be important that you go there. There's some extra scriptures we'll use beside uh, 1 John chapter 1 and we'll begin the first part of chapter 2 today. Today we begin a new series and I, I get a little excited, I get a little giddy when we start a new series right in the beginning. Just the excitement of where we're going to go and where it's taking us as I've lined everything out of this series and First John's going to take us all the way up to Thanksgiving and on Thanksgiving Sunday we're going to begin a new series. It'll be a Christmas series, an Advent series that'll take us all the way to the end of the year. Christmas Day is the last Sunday of 2022 and so that'll be a great day of worship for us here on the 25th Christmas morning here at Nova Community Church, and so we're excited about that. But as we begin this new series, I kind of wanted to get into the introduction of 1 John, and we'll just set the context of this letter written. And so it's a good place to start right in the beginning. Who is the author of 1 John? And it's not too hard to know who the author of 1 John is. His name is John. Good, you're with me, which is good news today. He's the son of Zebedee, the brother of James. He walked and he talked with Jesus. He has a distinction. Um, He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so there's some indication that perhaps he was the closest, the, the, the closest friend of Jesus during the time that Jesus walked the earth. Now, historically, the Apostle John is a faithful church planter and pastor of churches that were struggling. He was faithful, but his churches appeared to be struggling. Uh, and he wrote five books of the New Testament, the fourth gospel, the Gospel of John. He wrote first, second, and third John, right? That's four books. And he also wrote Revelation, yeah. But I think as we get back to 1 John, we have to ask ourselves, who was this letter written to? Because that gives us a good understanding. We know who wrote it. We kind of know who he was historically. And then we, got, we have to understand, who was he writing it to? And then we'll get to the why. Uh, why did he write this? So John wrote 1 John, the first letter from Ephesus to churches somewhere around 80 to 95 AD. So we get that sort of context in our mind. And most likely he was writing this letter to churches in an area called Asia Asia Minor or modern day Turkey. And it wasn't just, scholars think it wasn't just a letter like from John to a church. Like you find that a lot of times in the New Testament to the Corinthian church, to the Galatian church. But this letter appeared to be sort of a circular, like a pamphlet that they would 
hand to a church and then they would say, oh, you should read this, this is what John wrote, and it was circulated amongst the churches in modern, in modern day Turkey. But I think an important question to ask is why was it written? So we got the author, we have the, the historically, the time it was written, to whom it was written, but then we have to ask ourselves, why was it written? And there are three important themes. So we look at 1 John, and the three important themes that we see in 1 John give us an idea why it was written. The first theme is belief in Jesus. They're, they're very simple themes, but we see them throughout 1 John. Belief in Jesus is number one. That's the primary theme. The second theme is obedience to God. So we have belief in Jesus, and then we have obedience to God. And the third is love for one another. Really good, basic themes we find throughout 1 John. Now, I think it's interesting that you read in the fourth gospel, the gospel of John, the purpose for the book. He, he, John writes the purpose for 1 John, and he also writes a purpose, I'm sorry, he writes a purpose for the gospel of John, the, the fourth gospel, and he also writes a purpose for 1 John too, and it's found within the book. So if you look at your notes, the fourth gospel was written so that people would have eternal life. And we know that in John chapter 20, verse 31, it says, But these words are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So we know the purpose of the fourth gospel. We also know the purpose of 1 John the letter, the first letter that John wrote, and that the purpose of that first letter, 1 John, was so that followers of Jesus would know that they have eternal life. The gospel, the purpose of the gospel is that they would have eternal life. The purpose of the first letter of John is so that they would know, so that they would know that they have eternal life. And that's found in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. John writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So I love that about John. He kind of lays out, this is why I'm writing all of this. This is my purpose in this. But the more specific why of 1 John, the specific context, is that there appeared to be conflict in the churches in Asia Minor. There appeared to be something going on we, we, as we read through 1 John, we'll kind of get more into the specifics of what's going on. At the time John wrote this, there were a group of people who left churches because they believed in a phony gospel. And so they, they left churches and people were kind of drawn towards them. And then there is a, a group of people who stayed in the churches and they were a little bit confused. Like, what's going on here? Why did all these people leave anyways? And those who were in the church were confused. And later in our series, as we work through 1 John, we'll read about the hurt and the pain that was tearing apart the, and dividing the church. So, a good question is, why, Dean, why are we doing 1 John? Is there like some division? Is there a bunch of people, you know, believing in a phony gospel and things like that? You know, from my seat, from my observation... There is no heretical or aberrant teaching 
that we're aware of that's dividing the leadership. So I don't, I don't see that here at all. Um, there's no deep-seated arguments or conflicts that are happening within us. Uh, I think the Nova family has a strong unity and abundant joy that is rare in, in churches today. Ah, you know what, I mean, we're, we're doing this remodel and, you know, some of us, including me, get a little cranky that there's a lot of dust around and we've got to use the outside bathrooms and when's this thing going to get done anyways and, you know, all of that sort of a thing. And I'll get over my crankiness in a little bit when it's all done. And, and so will you. Um, this series is for us to keep us centered on Jesus who has called us from darkness to light and for us to be a light in a world of darkness. Let's take a look at our text for today. 1 John chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 1, and we'll go to chapter 2, verse 2. Let me read this to you. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is God's word for us today. In our text today, there's three clear sections. It's, it's pretty simple, but it's three clear sections in our text today. And, and the first is a proclamation, and we'll get to that in a second. And then the next two are claims, and we'll talk about what those are in just a second. Notice that the first section is proclaiming Jesus. Verse 1 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands, and have touched, this we proclaim. Understand the word proclaim here concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. 
Once again, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Christianity, it stands or falls on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Let's make no mistake about that for us today. You know, if Jesus, if he lied about who he is, if Jesus is a liar, all that he said about himself is a sham, and then we fall because we put our whole weight and our trust in Jesus Christ. If Jesus is a liar, we fall. Now, if Jesus is crazy, you know, all that he said about himself, if it wasn't true, it was just, if, he, if he said all these things about himself that he wasn't, then we're foolish. We're, we're as crazy as him to believe in him like this. If Jesus was just a legend, just stories, all the things that he said about himself, he just, it was just imaginary. If that was the case, then we're more than disappointed because we have put everything, our whole lives, in him. So, if he's a liar, we fall. If he's crazy, if he's a lunatic, we're foolish. If they were just a bunch of made-up stories throughout history, then we're all disappointed. But if Jesus is who he said he is, if he's Lord, then his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection, if they prove to be true, then our life and our eternity, they're all secure in him. You know, in our world today, I'm talking about right now, in our cultural moment today, we constantly face confusion in distortions, in inaccuracies, in denials of the Jesus that's revealed in the Bible. In this current moment, this current cultural moment is not new for us. The Apostle John faced similar challenges in his church, and that's why he wrote this letter. John wanted the church to know Jesus, that the Son, Jesus Christ, is what he was from the beginning and the eternal life was within the Father. He existed there. Jesus was always eternally existent with the Father, proclaiming himself to be fully God. And Jesus said this in the fourth gospel, in John chapter 8. He said, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. He always existed. He said in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. He said in John chapter 14, verse 9, as he was replying to Philip, he says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. There has never been a time that Jesus was not, and there will never be a time when he will not be. Jesus is fully God, fully divine. But John also proclaims, that Jesus is full humanity. It, in, in our text today, just the, the beginning part, John writes, we heard him with our ears. He says that two times. We heard his voice. He says, we saw him with our eyes. He says that three times, just in that, those short few verses, 
Three times he says, we heard him with our ears, we saw him with our eyes, and he says, we touched him. He is full humanity. He's full divinity. He's full humanity. And we testify and declare that we are real eyewitnesses of this. He says, I want you to know Jesus, his full divinity, fully God and fully human. And then he says, I want you to share Jesus. In verse 3, John says, the reason we proclaim and share this with you is so that you also would know Jesus. There's no secret club. There's no secret knowledge. There's no secret prayer. There's no mystical sort of closet you must enter in to know Jesus. Jesus is for everyone. And each and every person who knows Jesus has a purpose in their life to share that word of life with others. So therefore, we share Jesus with people near in the South Bay, in L.A. County, in Southern California, and we share people, we share Jesus with people to the nations, to the ends of the earth. So John says, I want you to know Jesus, his full divinity, his full humanity. I want you to share Jesus. And the third thing is simply, he says, I want you to have joy in Jesus. In verse 4, he says, we write this to make our joy complete. God's glorified and he's worshiped when we find our joy in Jesus. This is all about the beginning of this letter, about proclaiming Jesus. And then there's two sections, there's two claims. John is asking a question to each of us, and he's inviting the church to ask this question of others. And the first claim, claim number one, is this. Am I walking in the light? It's a good question to ask each and every one of us. Am I walking in the light? Now notice in in verses 5, 6, and 7, John uses this phrase, if we claim. Now when you come across that in verse 6, take your pen and underline that because that's a key phrase here. Verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him, and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. What is the difference between light and darkness. Now, darkness is this. Darkness is that which is widely recognized as wrong. We'll just kind of leave it there. Darkness is that which is widely recognized as wrong. And, and light is that which is widely recognized as good. The contrast of both. When we think of walking in the darkness, it's not some legalistic scripture and verse minutia of rule following because some christians want to elevate it to that like you're not doing this right you said that wrong don't use that word don't do that behavior if you do all that you're walking in darkness man man are you walking in darkness it's not that it's it's when we think of walking in darkness it's not some legalistic minutia of following every single rule the deeds of darkness are a pattern in my life, not a struggle in my life. 
It's a pattern in my life. And there's a difference between a pattern and a struggle. There is a difference. When I'm struggling, I'm saying it's wrong, but I'm fighting it. But when it's a pattern in my life, I'm making excuses for it. Like, ha, I know I'm, I'm, I'm doing that, but it, it's not really wrong. There's some right to that, too. Or, I'm, I'm doing this thing in my life, but you know what? Everyone else is doing it, so it's okay. But when you're walking in darkness, you're trying to keep it a secret, and you're trying to hide it. Take a look at just to the left in your Bibles from 1 John chapter 1. Go to Galatians chapter 5. I put the scripture in your notes if you're, a, if you're looking at your notes. And the Apostle Paul has written this letter, uh, Galatians, um, to the church at Galatia in chapter 5. And this passage speaks of darkness, and so it kind of gives us the idea of walking in darkness. Verse 19 in Galatians chapter 5, it says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Okay, so walking in darkness, it's, it's, it's obvious, the Apostle Paul says. And let's just stop there. Let's just say, how about making this real practical? Let's just say your teenage daughter comes up to you and says, Mom, I just met a guy. And I think he's the one. Okay, teenage daughter. I just met a guy, I think he's the one. And then you, as a mom, trying to not show how alarmed you are, right? Not, not showing how concerned you are. You say, wonderful, honey. Maybe that, those aren't your words. But anyways, you say, wonderful, honey. What's he like? And the daughter says, well, he's really into, look at verse 19, sexual immorality. He's really into impurity and debauchery. He has a few, like, idols in his room, and he likes witchcraft. He hates people. He sows discord. He's super jealous. Yeah, he has a lot of fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions and factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. What, what would... That, that'd be crazy, right? I mean, that, that's... that's that's weird to even think that that would happen. I hope it never happens. Um, and then the Apostle Paul says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a myth in our current world, our current culture. This is a myth. There's a myth that is basically saying you can be a Christian and you can do whatever you want. You could be a Christian, you could be thinking, I'm walking in the light, but you could do whatever you want. And, you, and there's an idea of being a Christian is just sort of checking off boxes, like, um, do I believe that Jesus is God? Check. Do I believe that he was born on Christmas? Check. Do I believe that he died on the cross on Good Friday? Check. Do I believe that he rose from the dead on Easter? Check but you're still walking in darkness, but you checked all the boxes. When you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you confess that you're a sinner, and you know that sin separates you from a relationship with God. You know that God loved you and sent his son Jesus to take 
all of your sin, past, present, and future on himself. That you believe that he died on a cross to pay the price of the sin that he took upon himself. That he rose from the dead to set you free. And that the Holy Spirit lives in you to adopt you into God's family. And you no longer walk in darkness, but you walk in the light. But that doesn't mean you never struggle. You see, John says it this way in verse 6. If we claim, he says, to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. That's claim number one. Take a look at claim number two, that John brings up this claim. And the claim is this, do I see myself as a sinner? Do I see myself as a sinner? Now, the word sin is a tough one in today's world. It's not universally accepted. It's not a word that's used in, in conversation and, and things like that. Our culture likes to think that no one is that bad, that maybe they have um, a lack of education. That's why they do what they do. Or maybe that their environment that they grew up in was not the best, and so that's why they do what they do. Or maybe their genetics were off. And that's why. And, you know, our culture is real strong on, uh, they were hurt before, and we all know that hurt people hurt people, and that's why they do what they do, but not really wanting to use the word sin. But check out the claims that, that John uses in verses 8 and going into chapter 2. Verse 8, if we claim, same, same phrase, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. John says one of the ways you can tell someone is lying is that they do not claim to have sin. That's how you know. Biblically, the word sinner does not mean terrible person, because we read in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned, all, all of us. All, all of us have sinned. That's why John says, if we claim we don't have it, because Romans 3.23, we have all, all of us, we have all fall short of the glory of God. All of us have missed the mark. And if God graded on a curve, I might score really high, I'm, I'm, I might be doing really well, but according to God's perfection, we've all fallen short. A sinner is someone who willfully violates God's law. You know, I know I shouldn't do it, but I did it anyways. Now, being a sinner is, I know I shouldn't do it, but I did it anyways. How many of you know someone like that? Go ahead. I mean, you could raise your hand, and then you could point your finger. Or point your finger to the person next to you, or, or whatever you want to do. But that's the claim that John's bringing up. John is trying to tell us if we are unwilling to admit we missed the mark, 
then we'll think that we can run our lives all on our own, that we're, we got it all under control in our life. And it's just like the first myth. The first myth is you can be a Christian and do whatever you want. The second myth is that John is calling out here is we're all basically at our core wonderful and good people. That's a myth. It's not true. And these myths, they all shut us out from a relationship with God because if we're all wonderful, if we're all good, if we all get a gold star and a smiley face sticker, we don't need God at all. But when we admit, when we admit that we're struggling sinners, we're able to confess our sin and receive God's forgiveness and have Jesus purify us and set us out on a new path that he's created for us. Today, we've cracked open this new series for the fall. And we began with this proclamation to know and to share and to have joy in Jesus. And then there's two claims that John brings up. First claim is, am I walking in the light? And the second claim is, am I a sinner? And both of these questions are to help us to understand our need for Jesus Christ. Amen?